Welcome to the SLP Talk Show. Real talk with Carrie about stuff that really matters. Hey, it's Carrie, your fast-talking, speech-therapy-loving host. While you are driving, cleaning, exercising, or whatever it is you do while listening to podcasts, I'm going to be chatting about pediatric speech therapy stuff. But I don't want our time together to feel like work or be boring. You already work enough, and you already have enough boring stuff to do in your life. So let's get going and have some fun. Hello, and welcome to episode 49 of the SLP Talk Show. I am Carrie, and I am here with my business partner uh, and my partner in life, Jim. Howdy, howdy. It is almost the end of 2023. Can you believe it? I know. It's crazy. It is just wild. I, I don't know. Time flies when you're having fun, right? Yeah. And we're we're coming up on a like a milestone episode here pretty soon, it. aren't we? I know. So isn't that cool? Our first episode of 2024 will be our 50th episode. I know. That's, That's pretty awesome. neat. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Um, so if you are new to the show, I think the most important thing to know about us is that we have an autistic son. Yep. His, I'm a speech, his name is Aaron. His name is Aaron. Um, I am a speech language pathologist, uh, pathologist, and I specialize in talking. Easy for you to say. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> but uh, I um, am also a professional speaker, travel around the country, do a mm-hmm. lot of webinars, uh, and uh, I would say my most popular course in 2023 was the Autism uh, Strategies and Neurodiversity Affirming Practices course. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we have worked, you and I as parents, we have worked long and hard, I would say, over the past two to three years to really become neurodiversity affirming parents. Right. And it yes. has been quite an adjustment, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. You think back to when he was first diagnosed back in 2007 mm-hmm. and what people thought about autism and right. told us about autism back then, yep. told us all the things he probably wouldn't do. And, right. you know, um, so uh, before we jump into our final episode of 2023 we must of course do a quick game of chump or champ okay are you feeling lucky yes all right here's the deal i asked jim the trivia master uh, (laughs) four questions and if he gets them all right he's a champ if he misses any he's a chump 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 all right here we go question number one what do you drink if you drink evian it's water Excellent. Ding, or sparkling ding, 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 water. Ding. Yeah. No, it's no, it's not sparkling. Oh. It's just water. Ooh, all right. I had it right the first time. What is it called in bowling when all the pins are knocked down during the second attempt? Uh, that's a spare. That is a spare. Ding, 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 ding. Uh, who is the famous crocodile hunter who died after being stung by a stingray in 2006? Oh, crikey. Um, <laughs> oh, man. What is his name? <laughs> I can see his face. His son is like on doing yeah, the same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, he's now. doing the same thing. Um, His first name starts with an S. Steve. Yes. Is that good enough? Yes, that'll work. Steve Irwin. Steve Irwin. Yep. So you get you get a fourth of a point for that. Okay. Okay. Last question. You kind of helped me. I know. That's why I only get a fourth of a point. What jersey number did the Canadian ice hockey player Wayne Gretzky wear? 99. Excellent. Yeah, he's All right. my, one of my favorite players. I knew he was. Yeah, so uh, three out of four, 3.25 out of four. Yeah. You've done better, but that's okay. I mean, is that in, that's an A, right? It's an A. Well, like an A minus? Probably a B plus. Who knows? Oh, I don't know. Geez. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's yeah, a C, actually. I don't know. 75%. That's like a C. But that's okay. It's no, okay. You said I had 
3.25. But still, 3 out of 4 would be 75%. Okay, we're not grading you. 80s. We're not grading you, okay? All right. So we're going to we're going to get busy here talking um about uh our final our final episode. This is going to be exciting, okay? So over the holidays, uh we were hanging out with our grown children, which is kind of cool you know yeah. all of our kids are grown uh our oldest daughter whitney is 26 she's a nurse Allie allison is uh 25 she's a teacher right. aaron is 19 uh he is in uh, a program learning some job skills post high school so mm-hmm. um it was pretty cool uh sitting around on you know christmas morning uh with with all our grown kids mm-hmm. and their yep. significant others and i don't know it was just it was a fun day so as we're sitting there um you know presents have been open monkey bread has been eaten we eat monkey bread every morning. Yeah, you had two Christmas. different types this time. I did. This is yeah. the first year. So I always make the traditional monkey bread. And this year I made savory monkey bread too. I, that was That was the bomb. Awesome. Everybody agreed that it was delicious. Yeah. It had sausage seems, and eggs. It seems and to be a uh, new yeah. um, Christmas tradition. I think we started a new tradition. I agree. So anyways, sitting in all, amidst all of my bajillions of decorations, right. there is this catalog. And I Uh bought it at an antique store. um, Mm -hmm. And I am very sentimental about things, about dates Uh that have relevance. So this... What's the name of it? I'm sorry. This is... I was going to... Yeah. It's called The Red Book. Okay. So Red Book Magazine. Okay. It's been around for a long time. I don't know if Red Book... I should look on the shelf. I don't buy magazines anymore. But this is from December of 1928. And the reason I bought this at an antique store is because my dad was born in 1928. Mine too. Yeah. Yeah. Both our dads were. So I thought it was really cool to have a December um, magazine from the year my dad was born. So I get it out every Christmas and just put it in my decorations because mm-hmm. it has relevance to me. I'm sure nobody else looks at it and thinks anything about it. So Allison grabs this magazine and I'm like, you got to look through it. It's really fascinating to see what the world was like in 1928. Right. So she flips to this section and it's called the Red Book Magazine School Section. School Section. And what it is, hmm. is ads for private schools. Huh. Okay. So she just, I said, well, read some to us. And literally our minds were blown. Uh-huh. So she starts reading and and she didn't realize it until she was about three or four in. She goes, oh my gosh, I'm reading from the special schools section. Uh-oh. Okay. So these are ads to get parents or families to send their kids with special needs okay. to a private school. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to read you some of these ads because what I want everybody to think about as we wrap up 2023 is that we have come so far. Okay. Okay. We right. have come so very far. So, kind of a good reflection. Yes, this is of? a good reflection. So here we go. The Chamberlain School, boarding and day school for retarded children, individual instruction, articulation, best physical care. That's in Media, Pennsylvania. Okay. Okay. The next one. The, the, the heading reads, what can I do with this unusual child? Slightly retarded in schoolwork, lacks power to concentrate, temperamental, shy, egotistical, or in other words, is not in the right element in the usual school. Okay. That is in Berwyn, Pennsylvania. So... When, Are you sensing a trend here? Yeah, yeah. So when they're using the word retarded, that means Slow. they're just be- behind in their schoolwork or like. not able to keep up. Okay, the next one says Headley, um, the individual school for the ungraded or maladjusted child. Mm-hmm. Okay, the next okay, one, Rose yeah. Hill. Are you ready for this one? Here's some new lingo for you. Okay. For nervous or retarded children. Nervous. Ner- nervous. Nervous. Nervous children. Individual teaching and training under child specialist. It's an MD. Experienced staff. They even have their own vegetables and eggs. 
Oh, that's good. <laughs> um, Brookwood School, a small homeschool for mentally retarded. That is in Lansdowne, Pennsylvania. Bancroft School for retarded children. Um, speech Correction. As an SLP, I found this one fascinating. Speech Correction by Dr. Frederick Martin, former director of speech improvement, New York City Schools. Uh-huh. Correction of stammering lisping loss of voice methods in internationally recognized by medical profession that's in ithaca new york would loss of voice be like something like apraxia maybe or Um, i just don't know (laughs) here's a mental hygiene school mental mental hygiene Hygiene. in strasburg new york yes that is that's on the hudson river perkins school of adjustment for children requiring special training and education um, there was one in Missouri, since we live in Missouri, the Trowbridge Training School, a homeschool for nervous and, are you ready for this one, people? Backward children. Backward. It literally says that in this magazine. What a is... homeschool for nervous and backward children. The best in the West, Kansas City, Missouri. Wow. Yeah. I wonder if it's still there. I don't know, but I feel like we have some. Here's another mental hygiene school in Silver City, New Mexico. So, and here's another Stewart Home Training School for nervous and backward children. So, I did some research to figure out what the heck backward meant. Okay. Because, again, we're talking almost 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. And the term backward meant learning. They had a learning impairment, a learning disability. Okay. Okay. So, backward. I So, they used words like unusual, retarded, backward, nervous, maladjusted. Mm-hmm. Those were the primary primary words. Oh, very they negative. They, well, yeah, and deficit-driven. So, I, I know that's just kind of a, a crazy thing to hear that, but I think it's a really nice way to end 2023 to reflect on the fact that we have come so far, yeah, right? We still absolutely. have work to do, people, okay? But we have come so far. Uh, and so, I thought that what we could do is our final episode of 2023 we could just do a quick review of neurodiversity affirming language okay okay because obviously in 1928 yeah these kids were backward and maladjusted and you know they were using very negative uh language so uh in my um i don't know all my social media posts in all of my courses uh i try very hard to encourage uh both professionals, parents, caregivers, everyone to really think about using strengths-based neurodiversity affirming language. So what we're going to do is compare and contrast. So we're going to talk about, I'll give you the pathologizing or the deficit-driven language that we have historically used, Uh and then we'll contrast that with neurodiversity affirming or strengths-based language. Okay. Okay, So we just, I have a list of a few here. Um, What we have historically said is red flags of autism or warning signs of autism. And right. would you agree that if someone says to you, oh, your child has warning signs of autism, doesn't that make you think there's something alarmingly wrong with your child? Yeah, yeah. It gives you a sense of panic. Yeah, panic. Absolutely. So neurodiversity affirming language would be signs or traits of autism. Okay. Because that doesn't like send up the alarm yeah. bells, right? Yeah. Um, instead of saying does not play appropriately with toys, because see how we're making a subjective. Right. We're, we're making, making a judgment. A judgment that, that, that it's inappropriate. A, that there's a right way to play. Right. And that your child plays incorrectly. I remember when Aaron um, was first diagnosed, most professionals were extremely concerned that he did not play with the Fisher Price barn appropriately. Right. And therapists wanted to teach him how to play with the Fisher Price barn the right way. Right. Makes sense? Okay. So neurodiversity affirming language would be we would simply um, talk about the child's strengths and talk about how they do play. Okay. Right, not make a judgment. Enjoys to play. So yeah, enjoys gathering, sorting, okay. lining up toys. Yeah. yeah, enjoys um, playing with letters. That was Aaron. How mm-hmm. about enjoys yeah. examining objects from different angles? Sure. Right. In, um, I mean, right. getting their sensory needs met, like whatever. Right. right. So you just talk about the strengths. You describe how they do play mm-hmm. without making a judgment. 
uh, pathologizing deficit-driven language is rigid and inflexible. We okay. used to say that about Aaron all the time. He's right. very rigid. He's inflexible. That's been written about our son more times than we can imagine <laughs> in IEPs and yeah. you know reports. So <clears throat> neurodiversity affirming language would be prefers consistency. Okay. Thrives yeah. in predictable situation. Right. Right. So yep. we're just going to talk about you know what what their strengths. Uh, instead of has social communication deficits, we're going to say has social communication differences. Mm-hmm. They're simply different. I like that. Right. Um, social skills are bi-directional. Don't ever forget that. So it takes two to tango. Sure. So you can never blame when there is a social communication breakdown. You can never blame one person. Sure. Because it's bi-directional. Right. So what we have to do is figure out how. Um, uh, you know, our autistic son, how he socializes and communicates with others. Mm-hmm. And then we need to basically meet him halfway. Right. right? You know what I right, mean? Like right. it's not about him changing to do it our way. It's yeah. about everybody understanding his way of communicating and socializing as well. I always feel like it's interesting when Aaron interacts with someone new. Uh-huh. And I kind of watch the wheels turning in that person's head. Uh-huh. Like, okay, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to try this way. And then, oh, okay, yeah, that works better, you uh-huh. know. But there's there's an adjustment there mm-hmm. that you have to make, mm-hmm. you know, with him. And But he's it's it's easier now. It is so much easier. He's now. easier to converse uh, or have, to have conversations mm-hmm. with yeah, with yeah. new people than than it used to be. Yeah. It used to be very. But he difficult. still wants to talk about his deep interests. Sure. He still wants yeah. to talk about Metallica and Shimmer and Shine or and NASCAR. you know NASCAR. And yeah. he has his his three or four. You know, his real thing now, he starts almost every conversation right now with telling us about who the vo- who who voices the characters in his. <laughs> Right. Disney movies or yep, Pixar right. movies, right? Pixar, he knows yep. his memory, you guys, is crazy. Like, he will literally be like, Mom, have you heard of, yeah. you know, Zoe Deschanel? She's the yeah. voice of, and he'll tell me, and then right. I'll say, Oh, yeah, I know who she is. And then he'll name these random people I've never heard of. And I'm like, No, I don't know those people. He's like, Oh, well, they're the voice of this, and they're the voice of yeah, this. Yeah, well, some of them are like just voice actors. Yeah. So you wouldn't yeah. know them from no, probably anything but else. But he assumes that we should know everyone, I guess. But right. yeah, that's how we, that's how we we have a lot of conversations about that now. Mm-hmm. All right, instead of is non-compliant, uh, for example, when instructed to do worksheets. I see that a lot in schools since I'm an autism consultant in schools. You know, he's non-compliant when we give him a worksheet, he's non-compliant. Instead, we would say something like participates when learning is relevant and meaningful. Right. So Can we he's, please make learning. Yeah. So if it's if it's something that doesn't interest them, they're No. They're going to push back on that. Well, yeah, if it's not relevant, if they see, if they don't understand it, they're not just going to do something just for a sticker or right. just, uh, you know, to get a reinforcer. Like, sure. we, we can't be. And don't focused. we all kind of push back on things, yeah, things that, that don't that make any don't, sense? In, that don't interest us? Exactly. We, exactly. We, sh- we change the channel. I think that is our biggest, <laughs> should be our biggest goal for 2024 is figuring out how to make school relevant and meaningful for autistic students Mm -hmm. like that to me is the number one priority because we have behaviors in schools and not just with neurodivergent kids i'm telling you i'm in schools behaviors are out of control and i think the biggest issue is that learning is not relevant and meaningful and so it's not fun no that's and that's a that's an episode in itself all right um is in their own world how often have we heard that how a way people describe autistic kids oh he's in his own world or he's difficult to engage or i i heard people say he's in a bubble He's in a bubble. Yep, he's in a bubble. So instead of using that pathologizing language, what we would say now is um, the child focuses intently on his or her own interests. Mm -hmm. Focuses intently on own interests because that becomes a strength, right? Right. Once we can figure out what their interests are and how they learn, the focus, you know, is there. All right, um, uh, deficit-driven, uses echolalia, lacks functional communication skills. 
Mm -mm -mm -mm. What we're going to say now, our neurodiversity affirming language, is a gestalt language processor and uses echolalia to communicate. Okay. Yeah. All right. Can you define gestalt? Yeah, we did an episode. I should have looked to see what what episode that was. Just uh, just so we... Yeah, gestalt language processors are... uh, They... they don't learn single words at a time. They don't learn one word at a time like analytic language processors do. Mm-hmm. So they learn entire scripts, if you will. Okay. So they are kind of top-down bottom, uh, top-down language learners. So uh, they will perhaps uh, use a script from a movie or a show, right. and they'll say the entire phrase or the entire sentence or this entire. It's often so instead a, of saying one word, they say whole sentences. Right. At whereas times. whereas um, neurotypical kids, most of them, they acquire language by babbling. And then saying single words, and then two word phrases, and then three word phrases, right. and then short sentences. They just start with the whole. Yeah, Gestalt paragraph. language processors they are top down, so not bottom up. They're top down, so they start with the whole phrase, the whole sentence, the whole script, and then what we have to do it's called mitigate, but we have to break down those big long scripts into smaller units until we get down to single words. Then we make sure they understand single words, and then mm-hmm. we have to turn around and make them. Uh, bottom-up language learners and start reconfiguring those words together so it's a very it's a very fascinating very complex um, way to acquire language but we're finding um, the more we uh, listen to autistic adults that not only are um, is it a thought that autistic kids acquire language um, in more of a gestalt manner but they're so gestalt language processing but we're also finding now that they're also gestalt cognitive processors so meaning the way they learn is mm-hmm. also big picture not little you know so they it's just a really fascinating thing so we're oh. trying to learn more and more um as we listen uh to autistic adults and better understand um their brains right and right. how um they learn um so uh other pathologizing language uh presents with challenging behaviors what we're really trying to do is shift away from the term challenging behaviors and talk about dysregulation because we're really trying to look at brain science look at what's happening at the nervous system mm-hmm. um fight, flight, freeze, fawn, look at those stress responses. And so uh, challenging behavior is typically occurring because of a stress response. So instead of saying the child has challenging behaviors, we would say the child gets dysregulated when. Okay. Right, so we want to know what their triggers are, like what sure. you know causes these yeah. these quote unquote meltdowns to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, pathologizing language is obsessed with letters and numbers. How often do people say that about Aaron? His whole uh, life, over, how long? Yeah, I don't even. So know. now what we Couldn't would say is has a deep interest in letters and numbers. Mm-hmm. Right? Can we just talk about it as a strength instead of as something? to be pathologized right. all right last one shows little interest in playing with other kids and playing with peers right so mm-hmm. that's a common way that people will um uh, describe it or document it in a report and then there are often goals written that the autistic child for example maybe will um you know take turns in the classroom with peers or will play for five minutes with peers right so they're writing these goals that they will um uh, engage in appropriate uh-huh. uh socially appropriate uh, behavior with other kids but um what we have to do instead is um look at using neurodiversity affirming language and so now i would document it this way um child prefers to play alone Mm -hmm. or with safe adults who have predictable behaviors um and so what i find is most autistic kids they are figuring out who the safe people are in their world and by safe what i mean is people who um honor all um, forms of communication, mm-hmm. who support their sensory needs, um, who build authentic connections with them. Those become safe people in their world. And autistic kids usually will engage with the safe people, but mm-hmm. they're not going to do this, you know, ex- you know, forced 
turn taking, for example, or play a a certain way, you know. um, Which is why maybe, um, I mean, it's not applicable to situations with parents or adults because, you know, they're they're wanting to engage. Right. And maybe sometimes other children their age, you know, they're they're a little bit. Well, they harder try. to, yeah. but and they don't maybe exactly know how. Right, you know, there's and a so. great children's book. I it's probably over there on the bookshelf behind you, Jim. But um, it's called "Do You Want to Play: Making Friends with an Autistic Kid," mm-hmm. and it's just a book for children. You guys, it is the greatest book. And what I love so much about this story, it's about a little neurotypical girl who's in preschool, and there's an autistic boy in her class, and she tries everything in her power to get him to play. You know, to play with him, and he just doesn't pay any attention to her. He doesn't respond to her, and and so she just decides, well, I'm going to stop forcing it then, and I'm just going to follow his lead. It is the most beautiful story. And so wow. she starts playing the way he's playing, but not getting in his space, not like talking too much. She just stops well, and just engages. And at the end, it's just the most beautiful thing because he actually brings her then one of his cars uh-huh. as a way to invite her to play. And it's just such a beautiful story. That's cool. See, and that's kind of what I was getting at is that... that I think with other children, they struggle to make the connection. Right. And so we have I mean, to... And when you can't get off on that, you know, take those steps forward... Right. You never, you're never going to be friends well, with that person. When little kids are typically, they don't have that persistence factor that adults do, sure. right? So I tried, he ignored me, so I'm going to walk away, right? So it's right. that kind of a thing. And so that's why I think a lot of autistic kids, they find they're safe adults because sure. adults stay with you. They're persistent. They they are there. Whereas kids, like you said, they just, if I don't get a reaction you know, or get anything back, I walk away. So this is why we need to be helping neurotypical kids learn how sure. to play alongside yeah. um, autistic kids. So So um, what I want to do then is uh, just wrap up uh, by saying that neurodiversity affirming providers, that would be your therapists, your doctors, right? Anybody, your teachers. So we're neurodiversity affirming providers, parents, and caregivers. We provide supports that are Mm strengths-based instead of deficit-driven, that support regulation and connection, that acknowledge and build on each child's interests, that presume competence, Mm -hmm. that honor all forms of play, communication, and learning styles. And that allow the child to learn, play, and thrive as their authentic self. That is what we do. The three things we don't do, okay, this is the, the three things we are moving away from, mm-hmm. um, is providing supports that are focused on establishing compliance. Okay. We're done with establishing compliance, right? Um, teaching the autistic child to mask, meaning we just want you to act like all the other kids. Stop right. being who you are because your way of being human is unacceptable to me. So I want you to stop being you. Mm-hmm. Your authentic self is not acceptable, right? See, this is ableism. We need to do a whole episode on ableism. Ableism is discrimination against disabled people mm-hmm. because of the assumption that our way of being human is superior. Right. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Right. What do I say all the time? And if you've followed me for any length of time, you're probably sick of hearing me say this, but my son is not an optional member of society. Right. My son is not an optional member of our family. He's not an optional member of the school community. His way of being human is acceptable. Mm-hmm. Right. Period. And the other thing we don't do when we're neurodiversity affirming is we don't teach isolated skills out, out of context. context just so we can check something off the VB map or any other right. checklist. Oh, well, we've got to get him to be able to do X, Y, or Z on command, right? So those are the three things we don't do. So we're going to go ahead and wrap up 2023. It has been 
It's been a great year. year. Great, great year. year. Fascinating year. We uh, appreciate you listening to the final episode of 2023 of the SLP Talk Show. We will be back in 2024 with episode number 50. Yeah. That's pretty exciting, milestone. isn't it? It is a milestone. So um, we'll uh, see you guys again in 2024. We are going to sign off for 2023. Uh, cheers. Uh, Happy New Year. And we will uh, see you in the new year. Bye.